Hello and welcome to The Menopod, the series for women and those who manage them, love them and have any reason to need to understand them better. So I'm Fiona and I'm the Communications Manager for Group. And I'm Sam, Nurse and Operations Manager at Bush & Co. Each time we meet, we'll be looking at a different aspect of the menopause and share some of our experiences. We hope you'll find it useful and maybe even entertaining. We're not experts, but we will be sharing some of our learning from people who are. For more info on the menopod, have a listen to episode one. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the menopod. So today we're looking at the slightly thorny issue of trying to get diagnosed with menopause, um, which isn't actually as easy as it probably ought to be. So um, when I started looking into into this, because um, I've mentioned before, Sam and I, are both in surgical menopause so we sort of entered it fairly suddenly um after post-surgery but when i was looking at at what what menopause is for most women um and i read a brilliant thing that said that menopause is basically puberty in reverse so it's a change from one biological phase of ovarian function to another which i thought was brilliant because that's that's Mm. kind of all it is in some ways but you know if we all remember how awful puberty was Mm -hmm. you know and now we're doing that all again in the opposite direction that mm-hmm. helps us understand a little bit why it's why it's so tricky because when you th- when we think about it i think um I, I guess the way it was almost sold to us i don't know whether you find this sound but it's kind of almost sold to us at school when we started talking about it, it was like oh this is uh, puberty is very new and it's very exciting this is all the yeah. world of opportunities is opening up to you now that you're in puberty oh my goodness it's all going to be you know you're a woman and you're you know your adulthood and it's all amazing and it was all quite sold in as quite an exciting positive thing and um and menopause at the other end of that kind of that that relationship with our ovaries um is is sort of quite different isn't it and it's seen it's been sort of very negative and everyone's concerned because it makes them feel like they're aging and yeah. that we have little relevance to society and um and something can be joked about have you found that Sam is that how you feel yeah definitely it was a really exciting phase to be entering as a young person wasn't it and it was a sort of competition amongst your um peers about who's where and what's happening to them but definitely the other end is only perceived as a, a negative thing and and quite often not talked about at all and it's all sh- you know the shop shut down don't talk about it so definitely that's really good um good description of it I like that yeah yeah and I, th- I think as well because I think when we're in puberty it's kind of like oh, our whole lives are before us and yeah. the possibilities are endless and then we get to menopause and the whole attitude seems to be well I mean now it's all behind you that's it it's over. You know, now it's just there's just you know <laughs> electric slippers and, and blankets to fall to. It's like, what are you, nuts? Are you, are you crazy? Because the other thing as well that I was reading is that because women are living longer, so whereas, whereas menopause used to be the start of kind of the autumn, winter years, as it were, um, you know, because because women were living to their sort of, you know, 60s, 70s, when now we're all living to our 80s, 90s, we do enter menopause properly in middle life. Mm. It's properly the middle of it. Yeah. So, you know, it, it shouldn't be all about, oh, well, it's all over now, it's all ruined, we'll all just have to, you know, We'll just have to, you know, wear lavender and call it a job done because it's not. Yeah, we've got a whole life to go, There's and, a and whole I think that's why, left, isn't there, to um, explore and take on new projects, take on a new whatever, isn't there? There's a whole big chunk of our lives left. Yeah, definitely. There's literally half our lives yeah. left, which is not, so incredible. Like half our lives are still left to live, and that's why I know that you said it on one of our earlier pods. I think it was the, the Lord pod where you said about um, about how. Um, you know, we deserve to still enjoy our lives, you know, as women. And, you know, this is going to go on for 10, 12, 15 years. You know, we wouldn't expect to spend 12, 15 years of our, you know, what people call our prime life, you know, post-puberty, yeah. being miserable and having a dreadful time, although some of us did, if we had endometriosis, then to go by. Um, you know, then 
then, you know, this whole idea that we just have to suffer these 15 years without treatment and without help and support is is an absolute anathema to mm. me. It's absolutely ridiculous. Mm. So I think this whole, this whole, um, there was a real mind shift for me when I read that, when I saw that actually it's, it's properly in the middle of our lives mm. and we have the whole other half of our lives to go. So mm. we really do need to make sure we're getting diagnosed um, if we're not in surgical menopause, that we're getting a diagnosis, that we're getting the help that we need, that we're getting the right help, that we, that our doctors and, and, health professionals have got the right information the most up-to-date information and that they're acting from a place of authority and power and not fear mm. um, which I feel like is sometimes you know our experience but that's possibly a pod for for another day mm. um <laughs> so 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 Sam we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about your experience um today because while you while you did go into surgical menopause um as as you mentioned in our launch pod um it was surgical menopause but it was still nevertheless a bit of a surprise because you weren't actually told that was going to happen so um so how did you get diagnosed in the end how did that happen so like you say I um had my operation off I went out of the hospital crack on with your life everything should be fine and as I said before various bits and parts of my life and parts of my body seem to be falling apart from there on in really so for me I spent three years presenting at the doctors initially with this numb face that that felt like some cartoon character like Homer Simpson or something it just felt like my whole face was numb and I'd constantly check with people and say does my face look okay does my face look okay they'd say yeah it just looks a bit grumpy but yeah yeah it's fine but it (laughs) felt really swollen and numb so I kept representing back to the doctors and that went on for three years I had I can't tell you yeah I can't tell you how many tests I had and how much NHS um, spend has been on me for my doctor's consultations my referrals to ENT for brain scans and um, which were all really really worrying and because all I was of those... say, they think it was neuro because that kind of thing I would kind of immediately panic and go well obviously they think I've got MS or yeah. you know something horrific it's all of those things and of course you're wondering about all of those things in your head without a real uh, framework to hang it on so it's all fantasy and it's all being blown out of proportion completely because you've heard about your neighbor's friend's um, daughter that happened to them and such and such his auntie this happened to them and everything so you've got all of those stories going around as well so I was going for all of, all of these tests, but what I found was that um, everybody was treating me in silos. So somebody was was talking about my um, this numbness in my face. That was definitely to do with my ears, nose and throat. And then my numbness in my face was definitely to do with my brain. Let's, let's scan the brain. And then we went and then I went to see a neuro as well. And then I'd go to see the GP because I was getting nowhere with any of this. And he'd say, oh, how are you feeling? Not right. Mm, how's your energy levels no I haven't got any so how's your motivation no that's really really low and how's your mood yeah I'm really moody so I can completely understand why he went down the antidepressant route I I I get Mm -hmm. it because all of these tests were being inconclusive nothing was coming back from any of those and I was just presenting as grumpy and miserable to him so I, I, I get it but for me um the reason I got the diagnosis was following the the incident that I described last time with the hot flush I went Mm. to the doctor bawling again and said I can't work like this I cannot look like someone's poured a jug of water over my head when Mm. you know this happens and then he said oh a hot flush ah we must be talking menopause so just because of that 
we then went down the menopause path. So all of these other things that had happened had not presented, not been put together and not presented as anything to do with the menopause. Then when I went to see a neurologist and told her about my numb face, she went, oh, yeah, that's um, uh, menopausal uh, migraines. Yeah, yeah, that's what that is. And then all of a sudden this picture started pulling together. And it was then that they said, oh, do you want to go on HRT then? First of all, they offered me antidepressants because apparently that's the first line of treatment, I was it's told. Nice. Yeah. Sure. Um, and then I was off offered HRT and asked if I wanted to do that. And I, I had to say to them, with all due respect, I don't know because I'm not the doctor. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm here. So I, it mm -hmm. hadn't crossed my mind. I was relieved that this was the menopause at that point <laughs> because oh. I'd ruled out so many yeah. other things. But I didn't know if I needed HRT. I didn't really, I had heard of it and I'd heard of other people having it, but I hadn't done it from, I hadn't done research for me. So I didn't really know if I needed that. I wanted them to tell me if I needed it, what dose I needed, whether I needed a patch, whether I needed a tablet or whatever. Um, so that was the start of it. But I did feel like, oh, we're getting somewhere. We know what we're doing. Right. Mm. We know what we're dealing with now. So that was me. Three years of, of bits of me fall into pieces and my life fall into pieces before I really got a, a, a diagnosis. Yeah. Gosh. And actually, it's something you just said then, which is so familiar. And again, I've never really understood it, but I've never been able to articulate it in, in the way that you have, where you're sitting in doctor's office and they say, so would you like? Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I've got no idea whether I want that or not. You, you tell me. You did seven years of college. I've got no idea. And also, when you're talking, person crying. yeah, I was just going to say that when you're talking about yourself, you can't have any formulation in your head or a proper sentence structured at all. <laughs> you're just thinking, I'm bearing my soul here on the table. I'm telling you everything I think is relevant to you. You're still not getting anywhere. Don't ask me if I need something. I don't know. <laughs> And, you know, and also you've just told me that it's the menopause when I'd filled my head with so many terrifying oh. other possible options yeah. so I, give me a minute just give me a second to get yeah. my head around the fact that I, I'm not you know having some kind of awful you know awful situation kick off yeah. and I think that's the other thing about getting diagnosed why it's so important rather than just kind of try and you know just try and battle through and hope for the best just because um when you get you know it does give you peace of mind as it gave you you know that it isn't something more sinister um i mean i said i quote this story so often when i'm talking about brain fog because um and well there's going to be an episode on on brain fog on its own and it might run to about three hours i suspect but mm -hmm. um but when we talk about brain fog there was a, a my sister told me about an interview with Ulrika johnson that she read mm -hmm. where Ulrika johnson didn't and um, the tv presenter didn't go to the doctor about what she saw as her memory lapses because she was terrified yeah. that she had dementia yeah and so she didn't go and it took her years to kind of go oh, maybe I, I might have to front into the set if it's dementia then I'll just deal with that and yeah. then she went to the doctor and got diagnosed with menopause she was like oh that's that sounds a bit more manageable yeah. um you know so people are missing out on that on that peace of mind that that we all need that actually this is a normal thing yes it's horrible and it's awful it's got horrific side effects but it's not it's not something more sinister which I think we all kind of we all scare ourselves half yeah, to death with, don't absolutely. we? Absolutely. And it's interesting, when I was presenting with all of these different bits of things that were going wrong, I never, and when I was thinking about doing this, I, I remembered that I never said to them, I can't remember what I'm saying, I can't remember what I'm doing. And sometimes I start a sentence and I can't remember the end of it before I've got to the end of it. And I just um, have to keep talking, waffling, because I hope that the front end of the sentence will catch up with me and I'll make, end, make sense by the time I get to the end of it. And I yes. didn't want to say that out loud because that was the thing I was I was most scared of, that they would um, go down, down that route. But I have to say, in all of 
that process of three years, I had some very scary conversations with all of those consultants because they had mm -hmm. to have a duty and a responsibility to sit me down and say, OK, this is what the test we're going to do. This is what the test looks like. And do you realise what the results could be from this test that we're doing? So I had that repeatedly throughout the three years right that one's ticked that was okay that came back okay right next one um and i also mm -hmm. found that i didn't share that anxiety with anybody in particular because i didn't want to mm -hmm. load anybody up with all of these scary things so i'd mm -hmm. drop one test off with my best friend and then i'd share the information about another test with another friend and then you know mm -hmm. la 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 because Quite I just spent three years going through tests. Nobody wanted to hear about that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you had a test with nice. Yeah, another one. Which one are you testing now? All right. Sam, yeah, you the stopped, NHS again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sam's getting them in as well. God, yeah. I know you pay your taxes, Sam, but seriously, yeah. can't Let someone else have a turn. Come on, love. <laughs> <laughs> someone else have a go. <laughs> I think we've talked about this before as well, and I think, you know, the very real challenges with getting with getting diagnosed um, with, with menopause do stem from um, this, this fact that doctors receive little to no training. Mm -hmm um on on menopause and so because they don't get that training it's actually not very high on their radar mm. um and which which means and the other the other complication which is which i think is tough as well you, you touched on it as well when you were speaking is that so many symptoms that we go to our doctor with about menopause um are common in mm. other conditions so, so as you say it's almost not really surprising the doctor's going to go oh, that sounds like depression when you're sitting in front of them sobbing and crying because yeah. you can't get to the end of a sentence and you're angry and crying and you know and it's yeah. not really that surprising that they do that i think the challenge is that they don't necessarily have the awareness of the the wholeness of the menopause experience yeah. but also they don't it's not so yeah. high on their radar because there hasn't been enough publicity around it either um so they they don't necessarily think well hang on let's let's get let's go under a bit what else is going on are, are you having any other other is there anything else that you want to know about any other treatment any other symptoms sorry mm -hmm. or anything else so they're not kind of able to get right down into the bones of it and go oh hang on this sounds like it might be this other thing which is why we get sent home with antidepressants yeah. so often um you know so so we do we really do need to be our own experts in our own conditions and um advocate for ourselves and you know as as women i don't mean to sound like you know no one else has these problems that men don't have these problems but it does really seem like there is a dearth of conditions that women get that doctors don't seem to know very much about um and so you really have to fight you know i found a bay endometriosis oh my goodness 17 years to a diagnosis how can that possibly be okay mm. i might do a pod on that later but yeah. you know but just you know because there's just not there just isn't this it's just not high on the agenda for them and so and so that's that's really that that's what makes it really difficult but there is there is help isn't there, there is help available so we chanced upon didn't we very exciting um menopausecharity.org go there go there um so they recently launched um free training for doctors and medical people did you see this sam no i don't know if i've seen that oh it's very exciting so um the menopause charity is um is still a louise newson thing so louise newson oh. from the menopause clinic um but what they're doing is they're offering every doctor surgery in the uk one free place on their confidence in menopause online course oh, fabulous. um so I know it's amazing. So it's 135 pounds. It's CPD accredited. Um, it's for doctors, nurses, pharmacists. Um, so, but just say so that every surgery will then have a menopause expert in it. Fabulous. Um, 
I mean, imagine the difference that will make if there's just one person in every surgery that's able to go, if you're not sure, if you're here, it sounds like it might be menopause. Do you want to bring me in and I'll, I'll That's listen. fabulous. But I just need to share there. I was talking to a colleague the other day who actually chanced upon um, the, it, it wasn't a colleague, it was somebody I got talking to at the gym. I ran a little clinic before the gym started. And she was saying she chanced upon the menopause um, expert nurse that was there. And she'd asked um, if there was an expert and she was told no, no, no. And she just kept asking. And then this person said, I've been here for 20 years. I've been an expert for 20 years. And the other people in the surgery didn't know about it. So there's one person that's been this expert. So there's this little bit about educating some of the others as well. And maybe just some basic stuff like putting some posters in the in the uh, waiting room. I know we don't use waiting rooms at the moment, but we will eventually, yeah. but putting some of that so people can ask about it. So we can ask about a reception desk um, so that yeah. everybody's sharing that knowledge. That would be fabulous. No, you're right. That'd be brilliant. And I do think, I'm not, I, I think I saw this um, on the Menopause Charity website. I think there are posters that you can download there. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. So surgeries can just download them and whack them up. Mm. Um, you know, as I like, but even at the moment when they're doing COVID jabs, and you've got to sit for 10 minutes, you yeah. know, to make sure you, you don't pass out, then, you know, that's, I mean, that is dead time that you could yeah. be, you know, Reading sticking stuff on the walls. Reading it over again, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Reading it over, over again. I mean, that's a, that's a great idea. So all, all that stuff is out there. So um, if if you are hap- happening to talk to your doctor about possible menopause symptoms, um, do do point them in the direction of that, because to have one expert in every doctor's surgery in the, in the UK, I think, will make such an enormous, enormous difference. Um so the other thing that we wanted to talk about is just what you can expect when you do go to your doctor um, with your symptoms the way you think you might be menopausal, but you kind of just need that formal diagnosis. So um, so you you mentioned antidepressants, Sam. Mm. Um, and I, I think I, I would say if you can resist it, mm. um, when they say, oh, I'm going to give you antidepressants for that. Um, I would say resist it and just say, no, I think it might be menopause. I think I need something else. I think I might need HRT. I think I might need a different kind of treatment because um, in all my years of 17 years of endometriosis, I was I was offered the pill repeatedly, mm-hmm. um, even though I said I can't take it. I've got my my, you know, mum had breast cancer. My then she had a stroke, and my dad's had high blood pressure for my whole life. I don't really want to take the pill um, uh, because it's it's symptom control. They use all these things as symptom control, and actually, we don't always need symptom control. Sometimes we need to know what's really going on, mm-hmm. um, and so it might help with that one symptom, but it won't necessarily get to get to the root. Of, of what the problem is um and that's not about there being any shame to use antidepressants i've used them myself when i was depressed um but it's it's about using things for the for the right using medicines for the right reason yeah you know antidepressants are great if you are depressed and having a mental health problem um but they should be a, a, a sort of a symptom suppressor for something else yeah um so i think i think that's that that's something something to bear in mind and um, what what other things can people expect when they when they go to their doctors about this um i i think You've got to go in, be prepared, be ready for what you've got, for what you want to say. Um, I don't think mm-hmm. they dig deeply into in interviewing you. It's almost like, you know, the, the more times I went, the better I got at preparing my script. So I went really as a bit of a mess and went, please help me. I don't know what's going on. Have you got this? Have you got this? Let's try antidepressants. No, that's not what it is. But then I realized I had to go pre-armed, pre-warned. Here's my script. I'm struggling with this. Here are my symptoms, listing them. And that um, app that we've mentioned before, the Balance app, has been really Mm. useful in that because it prompts you, it asks you every day, have you had this? Oh, yeah, that was quite bad today. What about this? No, I'm fine with that one. I'm fine with that one. So that's really useful in formulating your script before you go to your doctor 
doctors. I think I was expecting them to sit me down and ask me all of these questions and get my story out of me. I know they only have seven minutes, so I don't know why I thought that really. Um, but, you know, but maybe it's worth yeah, lay down on the couch, love. Let's listen to your story. Um, and really, you've got to go in there. You, you, you stop clock starts. You've got to use that time yeah. really well. Um, so mm. I think that was that's a bit of advice I'd share with people, really. Be ready, get the information down, take a piece of paper if you need to, because you might not remember what you need to say. That was certainly my story. I had to go in with a script there. So I think that's good. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think the other thing is that they'll sometimes offer you blood tests. Um, now, in all of my friends, nobody, I don't think any of them have had a bingo you've hit the right score on the blood test therefore we're going to give you hrt because it fluctuates so much doesn't it so yeah. you know if you take it this morning it, it might be the right level and tomorrow will be a completely different level so that doesn't feel to be like a very accurate measure of whether somebody um, is perimenopausal or not what yeah. about you have you had positive results from the blood tests um well, I didn't um, because because in order to get any kind of di any kind of real help at all, because well, because I, I knew I was in menopause, yeah. so I didn't need a sort of a blood, diagnostic kind of blood test in that sense. But um, when I started going to to the clinic to to get HRT, um, I had exactly the same conversation with with my with my doctor there, and she said, um, you know, for people because I had a conversation with a friend of mine who who has different hormonal challenges, and she was kind of going, I don't understand why you're not having a blood test. How do they know what your hormone levels are if they're not mm. testing your blood? Oh. And I asked her about that because I was like, I didn't know what to say. Mm. I knew I didn't need them, but I didn't really know why. I couldn't articulate it. And she said, when you're in a kind of a natural menopause situation, um, then blood tests are not really very useful because, as you said, it fluctuates so much. So unless you're taking it, taking blood tests at the same time mm. of the month, exactly the same time of the month, every month, then it's not going to give you any kind of realistic reading. I have blood tests now because um, I'm on testosterone and um, they because testosterone um, can be a little bit wibbly. They, that's a very technical medical mm -hmm. term. I've, I know um, about that has, hmm. Yes, no, <laughs> Google it. You'll, you'll find it. It's amazing. Um, but it, it has particular challenges. They have to, testosterone is one where they really have to get the balance right on how much you're having. Um, and so they said, so if you're on testosterone, you have to have regular blood tests just to make sure you're not taking too much, or you're not taking too little, and to make sure that you're in exactly the right, the right place for it. So I'm having those regular blood tests um, at, at the moment. But really for, for um, menopause diagnosis, it really is best done according to, to this doctor that I'm seeing um by by symptom so by talking through the symptoms and saying yeah what what impacts that having on your life and um you know and then you can you can really kind of get under the skin of, of exactly what's what's going on there um so I think that that was a really interesting thing and when you said about the app as well I saw somebody had put on um Insta the other day actually um about the app and I, I didn't know this. I didn't know this was a thing. But if you're trying to get diagnosed, it will be really useful. Um, I said this to a friend of mine the other night. I said, use the app for a few weeks um, and get a load of data together before you go in. So everybody go, you know, this. But apparently yeah. on the app, you can actually then download a report. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So actually, so you can actually go in and go, see, look, you'll see over the last three weeks. You know, this, is, this is what I've looked like. Get yeah. a pointer. That's yeah. brilliant. Get one of those one of those infrared pointers and just gonna go you'll see on this day yeah i was very depressed but at least you'll be able to you know you, you'll have a really good um data set that you yeah. can share then. and doctors like all of us you know mostly run off data yeah. um you know it's 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 undeniable you 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 know you know what you know what you are with it so i think that is a great idea use the app for a few weeks log and 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 check in all of your symptoms and the severity of them um as well because that might fluctuate 
you know, yeah. uh, and that, that will give the doctor a really good steer of what's going on mm-hmm. and then download that report from the app and, and take it into them. I think they'll find that really, really mm-hmm. useful. Mm-hmm. And also then it's very difficult to deny then that you, that you need, that you need treatment mm-hmm. um, and that actually probably antidepressants isn't the treatment that you, mm-hmm. that you need. Mm-hmm. Um, um, a lot of my friends have said that they've had a lot of reluctance to give them um, HRT. I don't know if if you've found the same. They're, and the stories, when I ask them a little bit more, what did your doctor say about that? Their their theory behind the, the reluctance to prescribe is really based historically. There's some really random theories that they've come out with. And there's a mm-hmm. lot of them that are also still saying, well, you can only have it for five years and then you've got to come off of it. And that's you know, that's even from the doctor in the village that um, everybody holds with high respect from where yeah. I live. Even he says, well, you can only have it for five years. And of course, we know that's not true anymore. But clearly, he's busy focusing on other things as well. And the menopause, mm-hmm. he, he's not a specialist in the menopause. So, um, yeah, I think that's the other thing to say, isn't it? If if you, For me, I came away a little bit shocked that that's what we're dealing with. And when they said, mm-hmm. do you want HRT? I went, I don't know. But immediately Mm. I came out and started reading about it and what are everybody's concerns about it. So most definitely Mm. when I presented again, I was definitely, yes, this is the path I want to go down on. Um, Mm. But, yeah, I I, I think just to know what you want when you go in there. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And I think... um, because you, you probably won't be offered it because um, if anyone saw the um, Davina McCall programme um, that was on a few weeks ago, oh my God, it was so brilliant. It was mm. great. And she talks about this. She talks about the reluctance of people to to take HRT, the reluctance of doctors to to um, prescribe HRT. And apparently only one in 10 women who can be on HRT are on it in mm-hmm. this country, mm. which is nine out of 10 women who are probably suffering unnecessarily um, and could really be getting some really good help. And the, the whole idea of having all the help and support that HRT gives you for five years and then ending up back in a hole just fills me with abject horror. But um, yeah. but it, it's based on this, um, this piece of research that came out in the 80s that was enormously flawed um, right from the get-go. Um, and it's been disproven and disproven and disproven. But unfortunately, the medical profession is so afraid that it's kind of really afraid to kind of pick that up and run with it. So they're like, yeah. well, just to be safe, just to be safe, we perhaps won't. I mean, no, I mean, my my consultant, who was brilliant, my my sort of endo and, and hysterectomy consultant, who was amazing, and I would have trusted her to frankly do my surgery in the car park if she wanted to. She was brilliant. <laughs> um, you know, don't even wash your hands, you're fine. I'm sure you're fine. Um, you know, she was amazing. But you know, she said, so I'm not going to recommend you for HRT. And I was like, all oh, right, okay. And I thought, well, sure, because you know, breast cancer, stroke, yeah, you know, high blood pressure. I'm in a high risk group for pretty much everything. I totally get that. But then when I was talking to the um the consultant at the at the surgery, um HRT has changed so much yeah. as well over the years. So, you know, yes, taking taking um estrogen as a tablet um can have a bad impact because it goes through your liver and it's the going through the liver that causes the impact but actually if you could take estrogen in a patch or in a gel or in a spray then it doesn't go anywhere near your liver so it doesn't it's not processed in the same way and it's the way that it's the way that the hormone is processed Mm -hmm. that can cause the challenge so um so just getting all that information getting all your ducks in a row really understanding what hrt is and how it can really help you um you know i was terrified you know I, i know people here in high risk for breast cancer who still won't take it I'm like no please please take it because you're having an unhappy time and you don't mm-hmm. need to I mean you, know, you don't it, it, you're not you're not taking it as a tablet that's where the problem lies and so yeah I think um you know to to really encourage encourage people if you think you can't have it or you're afraid of it um do do your research do have a look again 
menopausecharity.org, um, uh, the uh, Newson Clinic, the Menopause Doctor on Insta, all of these places, you know, watch the... Um, uh, watch the Davina program. It's mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant um, because I really, I really hate to think that people are not getting the help that they could, that they could get, um, mm-hmm. you know, you know, from from fear. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. So that, so that's all of that, all of that stuff about trying to get diagnosed from a natural perspective. Um, but what j- just to, just to help people understand, so I hate for anyone to be in the same position that you were in, Sam, um, where you had a surgery that no one then told you was going to result in you being the menopause what are the kinds of surgeries that would bring menopause on just in case anyone's gearing up for something yeah so with me it was ovary um removal for um you know i I had personally had a cyst and they couldn't remove the cyst Mm -hmm. so the ovaries were removed um hysterectomy where the ovaries are removed um um chemotherapy um and pelvic radiation therapy that can also cause menopause um, and damage to the ovaries so there's there's a whole range of those but I think it's really important to just ask those questions yeah. although having said that it wasn't a question that occurred to me so it's really it feels an almost silly thing to say now because it just I assumed these people that were doing this operation would tell me afterwards yeah. if there was anything for me to look out for and they didn't I didn't even think it was in my world at that time of my life didn't you know so so I couldn't have asked the questions um but I think well the one thing I have noticed is there is a lot more um information out there like you're saying Mm -hmm. about all of the information that you've just said there is a lot more information out there about um surgery bringing on the menopause so hopefully when people are having their google and having a look and the information is there more easily for them to access yeah yeah and I think you're right when you say you know when we kind of say you know ask the question but again it's back it's being back in that doctor surgery again isn't it when they're saying oh, do you want to take this medication I'm like I don't know do I need yeah. it like you don't know what you don't know you, you don't, don't know what you don't, you don't know, know. yeah exactly exactly so if they're you know if you're having you know you know it's very sadly if you haven't have chemotherapy unless someone says to you oh and it's it's gonna you know it's gonna impact yeah. you you know reproductively you don't necessarily think think to ask but you've already got god if you haven't chemotherapy you've got enough to think about without thinking exactly. about all yeah. of that stuff so um it's it's really hard when you don't know what questions what questions to ask but maybe if you are slated for any of these surgeries then then maybe ask a question the other thing to bear in mind as well if you're having hysterectomy but keeping your ovaries then um then it, you it won't it won't affect you it is it is really very ovary centric menopause isn't it it's all about yeah. it's all about the ovary ovary-centric, so if they're taking out your own, like it's, it's very ovary centric let's make that a thing <laughs> um you know so if, they're, if they're taking out your womb but they're leaving your ovaries then you, you should be fine but um but again it's just it's just best to to check and also to check afterwards because it might be that they take them out while they're in there yeah. um you know we didn't realize so you know it's, it's always good to um always good to kind of check all of that so we also do like to um give some hits and tips to um to managers who are who are um leading and, and managing people who may be in the menopause, whether they know it or not, whether you know it or not. Um, so what, what kind of things can managers do to, to be really supportive of, of their people if, if they either know they are or, or, or think they may be having menopausal symptoms? I think, again, um, by listening to this, um, you know, people are learning more. So firstly, thank you for, for listening to this. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, be aware that trying to get a diagnosis can be hard and frustrating, like we've said, um, and, and your colleagues could be battling with this. They might be, you know, 
really struggling to get through like I've said you know for three years I was mm. going chasing after one you know one clinic after the next clinic after the next clinic. you can't imagine what fantasies were in my head about what mm. what the end of that investigation was going to be I put my face on put my smile on but yeah, there was some gruesome stories going round and round my head at that time. So if you're working with a colleague that's going through that as well, just be mindful that they might be might be doing that as well. And also, like I said, you know, there were some times when I was really quite scared about what was happening, um, uh, you know, and I, and I was keeping that to myself, and that was fine. That, that that's how how I am. It doesn't mean that I've got to share it with everybody. Um, but just be a little bit sensitive about that. If that's one of your colleagues, if they're going down that journey, just be a little bit mindful that that might be their journey as well. Um, and and just be be kind to people. It may be causing, a, a, you know, so we might be able to hold it together at work, you know, put our face on, we've got to deliver. These people don't know me so well. But at home, it might be spilling out everywhere as soon as you step foot on the doormat, you know, which is going to have knock-on effects. Imagine that with a combination of some teenage daughters at home as well. And some... <laughs> That's <laughs> I mean, a perfect it, storm happening right there. It's a perfect <laughs> storm, isn't it? So just yeah. be aware and of that. And the still you say, Sam. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what a guy you got, man. Yeah. You've got a good one there. <laughs> He's deaf. It's fine. He can't hear me. <laughs> and he works shifts, which is really helpful. <laughs> Brilliant. So, yeah. just, uh, just only be in the house when they're sleeping, and that works really well for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and, I, and I think the thing to remember is if they tell you, it's because it is a really big deal and it's a real concern to them. So just be kind to them and be empathetic. But the other thing I just wanted to say is it's important to remember that not everyone wants to shout about it like me and Fiona some people are, are embarrassed about it or and because there's still a stigma attached to it um, mm. or, or some people don't realize that they're in it they're just at the start of this why is my world falling to pieces I used to be able to do that now I can't why does everything hurt what's going on um, or, or you, and you might notice that your friend or your um, colleague is struggling with brain fog or forgetting things and they're trying really hard to put strategies in place to compensate for that. And just because every word out of my mouth is, I've got menopause, um, you know, they, they might not want it naming. So just be a little bit mm. sensitive to them as well. Don't be going, oh, you know, I reckon you've got the menopause like me, come over to the menopause club or something. I think mm. it's really important to respect people as individuals and get, you know, understand them as individuals and try and deal with it on their level where they're at um yeah. you know uh yeah yeah i think there's some good strategies to to try and adopt aren't they yeah definitely definitely and meeting people where they're at is so important with everything really isn't it you yeah. know any anything that we're trying to communicate just meet people where they're at is absolutely vital but uh but i definitely i definitely do agree with you about well all of it obviously but certainly what you said about um and how stressful it is yeah. and how how much headspace trying to get a diagnosis of anything yeah. And how much headspace that takes up and yeah. um and how hard I mean, you know, I've I've said it a couple of times now in this one, but you know, 17 years trying to trying to battle endometriosis mm. and trying to get a diagnosis and trying mm. to get someone to listen to me and take it seriously, all mm. the time while holding down a job, <laughs> socializing, putting doing your face on, getting trying, out, putting yeah. my face on, 
trying to have a marriage, you know, all of yeah. these, all of these things that you sort of, you know, trying to keep a house, um, haven't succeeded in that so well. But um, <laughs> it's okay. One of them's very good at it, which is perfect. But you know, all these things that we try and do to just try and be really normal. Yeah. Um, but actually, it's really, really hard. Um, so yeah, so just just an awareness of how horrible it is just going through the process of getting diagnosed for anything um, is just is just so hateful. Um, but yeah, so yeah, as you said, just really, really look out for your people. And really, just treat them with, you know, the kind of incredible kindness that I, I'm that we we, we experience. Um, mm. Fortunately, um, I had a conversation with my manager yesterday where he was he was being fantastically kind about about something which was menopause related, and it's just like, you know, it's it, it's not it's not that it's that hard to do, but it feels incredibly overwhelmingly wonderful when someone does do it. Yeah, um, because it's it's a real it's a real thing about respect, and it's a real thing. Um, it's really to do with just to looking after our people and that's what we're all that's what we're all about in our business in our company mm. and uh, and, I, and I, I hope that that flows through into other businesses as well but um but that's us for now that's yep. us um, next up we're going to be talking about weight gain so you know settle down for that um <laughs> but um thanks <laughs> it's going to be a goodie so um thank you all for listening and uh and until next time be your own best friend be your own expert be your own advocate and uh, and try and get the best result for yourself that you can So take care and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to The Menopod. We hope you found it useful. Some of the resources that we mentioned in today's episode include menopausecharity.org, where you can go to find out more about the free training for a representative from your doctor's surgery menopausedoctor.co.uk where you can find loads and loads of information about menopause and possible treatments at menopause underscore doctor on insta that's uh, dr louise newson who'll be able to give you lots of information and the tv show that we were talking about with davina mccord was called sex myths and the menopause and is available on demand on all four and lastly the balance app is the app that you're looking for in your stores so that you can start to uh, plot and log all of your symptoms and uh, download a report to take into your doctor's surgery to help you with your um, diagnosis so thanks so much again for listening really hope that's been useful and we'll see you next time.